Hey, uh, um, I, wanna, I wanna do something this morning. Uh, first, if you are new here, um, I've never met you. You're like, hey, this is new. I've never been to this church before. My name's Mark, and I'm the lead pastor, and I'm fixing my mic cord is what I'm doing right now. Awesome. And um, uh, so we're excited to have you here. I wanna, I wanna do something uh, today. Um, man, I, I think that um, we don't always address things that happen in the culture in the world at, on Sunday in church. I don't think you need to like let the newspaper or the headlines drive what you're talking about at church. But I think that what happened in Florida this week is so horrific. I think you ought to say something about it. Because, um, because when you look at it, and we just sang good, good father, that does not look good at all. That is evil, is it not? That is evil. You know, we live in a world where people always, you know, there, there's, this constant, there's this conversation, you know, is there such thing as truth, and is your truth my truth? And people even talk, is there such a thing as evil? And in moments like that, it becomes absolutely clear that every person knows evil is real, and when you see it, you call it like it is. And, and what happened this week is evil. When, when, when a gunman walks into a school and 17 lives are lost, that is evil. And people look at that and, and, they, and they think, well, if God is good, well, then what, why did things like that happen? And we actually kind of talked about that last week. You can go and check it out. Um, but, but the world is broken. Do you understand that? And maybe you've never bought that. Maybe, oh, well, everything is fine. Okay, well, then I think the weight is on you to explain to me why things like Florida happen. I don't think the weight is on me. Why does evil exist when a good God is in heaven? If you are convinced, if you if you look at something like this and 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 everything, the world's fine as it is. If you don't think that sin or something is broken in the world, if you think everything is good, I think the weight's on you to explain what happened this week. Because when you look at the Word of God, what you see is is that God is good. And that we walked away from him. And then when, and when humanity walked away from a good God, everything was broken. Like there is nothing in the world the way that it ought to be. Nothing in the world is as it should be. God intended it one way and we said we like this. And God said, and we're going to talk about it this morning. God says, you know what, sin leads to death. And, and humanity said, no, we'll still have it our way. And and God is right. God was right. And so we're going we're gonna to pray. And, I, and there's even a conversation there. Well, prayer isn't effective. Prayer is the most powerful force in the universe. Um, and, 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 and with that, prayer does not remove human responsibility. Right? Right? So sometimes I'm praying about things and what I need to pray is God give me the strength to do what I already know I need to do. And so prayer doesn't remove human responsibility, but man prayer is our connection, our lifeline to the God of the universe and prayer is powerful. So the world can have that conversation, but we will pray. Okay? There's more to do, but we will pray. All right? And um and so I'm going to ask you to do something here. And you don't have to do this at all if you don't want to. Okay? You don't have to do this at all. 
Um, but I've been thinking how, how I want to do this, and I think that this is, um, if, you, if you're a student or if you work in the school system, Perry, you know, city schools, just wherever, school, if you work in the school system in any shape, way, form, capacity, or you're a student, would you just stand for a moment? Would you stand up right now? Would you stand up right now? All right? You don't have to if you don't want to. I don't want to do that. Um, and I want somebody from our church to go and lay hands on one of these people. Go right now. Just everybody move. Just go lay, hand, lay hands on a teacher. Lay hands on somebody at work uh, that works in a school. Lay hands on some students. I want you to, as a group, get together and pray. Okay? You guys up here in the front, you guys can all come together and pray if you want to here. Um, but I, I just, I, 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 want, I want us to pray for all of our teachers Anybody that works in the school system in any way, shape, form, capacity, I want us to pray for our students um, because I had people come to me this week that go to school here and say, Mark, I'm scared. Parents came to me and said, Mark, my kids are scared. And so this is a conversation. So we're just going to pray. And so would you just lay hands on them right now? Just gather around them. We're going we're to pray. I'll lead us. And let's just take a moment. Let's just lift these people up to the Lord today. God, I... I just pray right now, I pray for our students, God, that as they go to school, God, they would know that they do not go in there alone, but that you go in there with them. And Father, I pray for every student that's a follower of Christ. I pray that, God, when they walk in the door, they would know that the Holy Spirit is in them. And Father, I pray for every school in this community in eastern Kentucky. And God, so many different schools are represented here today. Father, I pray for an awakening in our schools. I pray for a revival, God, in our schools. God, I pray that you would, God, give students boldness to love other students, to care for other students, to have compassion for students who might not even be like them, but God, that they would love because Jesus you love. God, I pray for teachers and, and faculty, staff of, of, school, of the schools here in our community. God, I pray that you would fill them with love, with care, with compassion, and with protection, Jesus, that you would protect, God, teachers and everyone who works in the school system in any way, shape, or form, students, God, that you would protect, God, our schools, that, God, that you would go in those halls with them, and, Father, that you would protect in any way, shape, or form that you can. We just pray for safety, God. So many people are afraid right now when they look at the world, but, God, the Word, God, you tell us that you have not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and self-control. And so, God, the enemy would want us to be afraid, but, God, we just turn from that. And, God, what we choose is boldness and power and love and compassion in the name of Jesus. We just choose that today. And, God, our country, I pray for those families in Florida, Jesus, who are facing unimaginable loss today. God, I pray that you would comfort them. God, your word says that you are closer. God, God, you, God you are a very present help in times of trouble. And Jesus, I pray that you would comfort those families in a way that, God, I don't even know how. I don't even know how. God, I pray for churches that are in that community that, God, you would raise them up and use them to love that city, that school, and those families in ways that, that churches never have. God, I, I, just pray, I pray for our country. And God, it is so clear that we need you. God, we are... We just we ask forgiveness, God. We confess any moment where we have ever thought that the hope for our country is in a politician or a political party. Jesus, you truly are the hope of the world. 
And your way is truly better than our way. And God, if you don't open up the eyes of our country to see that, of our world to see that, they won't see it. God, would you open up the eyes of this nation, of, of God, God, the people in this nation, Jesus. We pray for the entire world that you would open their eyes, Jesus, and that they would see you and that Jesus that, that you would cause people to turn to you and to seek you. And Jesus, that when they turn to you, they would find hope. And so God, I pray right now, I pray for these students and teachers and faculty and staff who are standing. God, as we're laying hands on them, we're praying for them today. Father, I thank you that Jesus, you are a very present help in trouble. You are closer than a brother. You are our friend and Lord and Savior. And Jesus, when when fear seems to be the only option, you stand in the center. And we look to you and we cling to you and we choose you and we love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Awesome. Well, um, uh, like Asina said, I want to welcome you here today. Hey, if you are here for the very first time, man, we're ex- so, so excited. I hope that after church today, you'll hit the welcome table out there in the lobby. We've got a free gift for you. I'll be out th- I'm always at the welcome table at the end of service trying to meet people I've never met. If I've never met you uh, before, if, you're, if it's your first time or you've been coming for a while, we've never met. There's a really good crowd here today. Uh, if we've never met, I'd love to meet you out there. It just takes about a minute or two shake your hand, but I, I, I want to say something. Say, let's try to say it in different ways every week. Uh, it's awesome that you're here, but you know what? God has more for you than a Sunday morning. God wants a relationship with you. And man, our desire as a church is to help you follow Jesus, know him, and love him. And, and so, so not only do we invite you to Sunday mornings, but we've got all kinds of different opportunities for you to take a next step and to grow. And I'll tell you, one actually is happening next week. Right after church, we're having our partnership event. And partnership is what we call membership. And so if you've been coming to Summit for a while and you've never, uh, you love the church and you're thinking, hey man, I should join that church. I want to be a member of that church. Uh, we call that partnership. And next Sunday, right after church, we're having what we call our partnership event. It's right after church in the Summit Kids area. It takes about 10 minutes to make that transition over. Uh, but if you could sign up because we have a free lunch and so we provide lunch for you and your family. You can bring as many people as you want. But hey man, maybe that's your next step to actually join this church and become a partner, or uh, maybe your next step is baptism. Maybe your next step is joining a serve group and actually using your gifts and abilities to serve. Man, Jesus wants a relationship with you, and it's bigger, it's bigger than an hour on Sunday. And so, man, whatever uh, God has for you, man, I just encourage you to say yes to it, all right? So, hey, if you got a Bible, I want you to open it up. Open up your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 is where we are uh, in the uh, series that we started last week. And so if you missed the series from last week, man, you can always check it out on the Summit app or our website. You can go and download that, listen to that. Uh, but let me, ask you, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked in the mirror and not liked what you saw? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look at the people who aren't raising their hands. Hotties. Wow. You guys must, man, it's a lot of people are like, bro, I love it. I look in the mirror all day long. That's awesome, dude. It's great, man. Well, well, but I think we, well, you, you, you've had that, right? I mean, you wake up and you look in the mirror and it looks like somebody snuck in your house and slapped you around a little bit and left, right? And you're like, what did I do last night, right? And your hair's just doing all kinds of crazy things. And we've all had that, right? You look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. 
And I mean, you can, some, some stuff you can do something about it, I guess, right? I mean, like, like maybe you can go to the gym, or maybe you can get a different hairstyle, or uh, I mean, maybe you can get plastic surgery, just get a new face, I don't know. Um, I'm just giving you options, people, just let you know what's out there. Uh, but, but we've all had that, right? You look in the mirror, and you just don't like what you see. Well, we're in a series called Own It, and what we're talking about is we're talking about what a real, authentic faith in Jesus looks like, owning our faith. And, and one of the things that James does, we're going through the book of James, every verse, everything that he says, we're just uh, taking our way uh, through here. It takes about eight weeks. And, and one of the things that James does over and over, he's gonna do it today, is James holds up a mirror for you and I to look at ourselves. And when he does that, There's a lot of times when we look into the mirror that God puts in front of us. I don't know about you, but sometimes when God puts a mirror in front of me and reveals my own heart, shows me things about myself that maybe I didn't realize were there, a lot of times God puts a mirror in front of me, and when I look and see myself, something that God is showing me, man, I don't like what I see. And so James is going to do that today. Put a mirror up in front, and i got to be honest, guys, It's going to be hard to look in that mirror. Because last week we talked about how, uh, last week we talked about trials. And what we saw last week was that our trials, it's one of the biggest reasons that people walk away from God, question God, and give up on their faith is because when life hurts, where is God? If you missed it, you can go back and check it out uh, last week. But I think right, right up at the top of that, Another reason that people quit God, walk away from God and church and all of it, not only trials, but another thing that takes people out is temptation. Another thing that takes people out is just sin. And, and so here's what we're going to do today, and I'll preface uh, what we're about to do uh, with, uh, with uh, this right here. I need you to know uh, that today I'm going to say some things. I'm going to say some things this morning. Actually, I'm going to say a lot of things today that, that are going to rub up against the culture that we live in. And, and, and maybe it's going to rub up what your friends have told you, what the, the music and movies and things that you take in tell you, where you work tell you. Maybe it rubs up against what you believe. And so I'm going to say some stuff today, and some of you are going to hear it, and you're going to think, bro, listen, do you know it's 2018? I mean, I mean don't, do, did you know that we've moved on? We've, we've, uh, we've kind of uh, kinda progressed a little. I think you need to get with the times. It's 2018, or I'm going to say some things. might make you a little uncomfortable, but here's what we need to say, man. At the end of the day, listen, we don't get our cues from culture. We get our cues from God. The, the world and the world's philosophy is not our standard. God is our standard. And we're going to see James in just a moment say that God never changes. And so what God said through James centuries ago, guys, it is just as relevant in 2018 as it was centuries ago when James wrote it down because God doesn't change, okay? And, and so what God's going to do is God's going to hold up a mirror, and it's going to be hard for us to look in that mirror, but the reason we got to look into it is because if I don't see the problem, then I can't go to the solution. So if you've got a Bible, hopefully you've got it turned uh, on or whatever, you brought it, uh, James chapter 1 is where we're going to be. James chapter 1 is where we are. Last week we did 1 through 12. Today we're doing 13 through 18, okay? James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. James says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, for he himself tempts no one. 
But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so, so as we're going to look in this mirror, if we're really going to hear what God wants to say to us from uh, this passage, and like I said, it's hard. But hard things a lot of times are good for us. Amen, would you agree with that? Does it matter if you agree with it? Because we're gonna do it anyway, okay? Here's the first thing that we need to see today. What we need to see is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. I am my biggest problem. You don't seem excited, okay? I am my biggest problem. Now, some of you have already, bro, that's not true about me, nuh-uh. My biggest problem is actually here at church, third row, fifth seat over, all right? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Don't look at him. We'll be fine. We'll just try to make it through, okay? Uh, or, or my biggest problem is not a person. My biggest problem is an event. Something happened to me. Listen, I'm not making light of that. I'm not making light of that person at all. But right out of the gate, James just attacks our tendency to shift blame to other people and things for problems in our lives. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you can blame other people for a mess that you made? Hello? Right? And so right out of the gate, James in verse 13, he says, listen, when you're tempted, verse 13, let nobody say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God is tempting me. I did this and God tempted me. God brought me in this situation. This happened and there was no way out. This is God's fault. James says, listen, when you're tempted, don't blame it on God because God can't tempt anybody. God is perfect. God is sinless. God can't tempt Anybody, so don't blame it on God. But a lot of times we like to blame our sin, we like to blame our mess on something else. So people say something like this, and I'm sure you've heard it. What? The devil made me do it, right? The devil made me do it. Hey, listen, the devil can't make you do anything. Did you know that? The devil can tempt you. We're going to talk about it in a minute. The devil can tempt you, but the devil can't make you bite on that temptation, all right? The devil can't make you do anything. Or we blame it on our family. We blame it on Friends, we blame, blame our situation or something that's happened. We blame, we blame the mess on our upbringing or the way we were raised or, our, or the government. We blame it on something. And listen, make no mistake about it. All of those things are gonna have a significant impact on the kind of people that we become. But at the end of the day, the biggest decisions in my life that have brought me the deepest regret fall at the feet of nobody other than me. Nobody has lied to me more, deceived me, stabbed me in the back, hurt me, misled me more than me. I did it. See, I am my biggest problem. We got to understand this. The picture that God paints of, of humanity, the picture that God paints of humanity here in this passage and all over the Bible isn't that we're essentially good people and then bad things make their way into our lives No, no, no. The picture that God paints is that we are broken from day one. Right? I say it all the time. If you don't agree with that, what that says to me is you don't have any kids in your life. Right? Right? Every Summit Kids volunteer in here knows that kids are messed up. Right? Right? They come out, you tell them no, they bite and they scream and they yell and they poop on you. 
sinners, man. <laughs> you just come out of the womb broken. Look at this, Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Listen to what Jesus does here, man. This is such a profound verse in the word of God. Mark seven twenty-one. For from where? Anybody see the next word? Within. Within. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. Things outside of me can trigger those things, but Jesus says the problem is me. The problem's in me. The encouraging word from Jesus to you and me today is, bro, you're messed up. That's a good Hallmark card. Happy birthday, you're messed up. Right? That, that, that the biggest problem is in me. And, and, and that, 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 that other people can impact my life and that there's things outside of me that are going to have an impact on me. But the biggest problem in my life, the biggest thing that's hurt me is me. See, there is, see, there is nothing inside of me that I need to look to, follow, or be led by inside of me. I don't care how many Disney princesses tell you to follow your heart. Following your heart will always lead you to a mess, right? Following your heart, living in the moment, listen to me, doing what feels right always gets you in trouble because everything in here is broken. The prophet Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Answer, nobody but God. That's how dark my heart is. That's how, that's, how, that's how sin has devastated my heart. And so, so I need God to deliver me from me. I need God to save me from me. We need God to save us from ourselves. And listen, the looks on some of your faces say, this is hard to believe, isn't it? Isn't this hard to believe? Right? Because everybody has always told us that we're all special snowflakes, and I mean, you get a trophy just for showing up on time and having your pants on, right? You can do whatever you want, and I tried that, and I still stink at basketball, and I thought I could be Michael Jordan, right? But I'm telling you, owning this is hard, but there is freedom in realizing that Jesus Christ didn't just come to save you from hell. Jesus Christ came to save you from you. <laughs> There's freedom in owning that. Can you say that? I am my biggest problem. I am my biggest problem. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm not thinking about anybody else right now. Mark Holmes is Mark Holmes' biggest problem. And if you can buy that point, I think you can move on. If you can buy that one point, that's hard. If you can buy that one, I think that we can hear what God would want to say to us today. I was trying to think of how to word my second point, and I thought I should be really subtle. And so I aimed at subtlety in the wording of my second point. And here's my second point. Sin will kill you. Subtle. Subtle, right? 
Sin will kill you. See, if I'm my biggest problem, sin will kill you. So what James does here is James goes through all of the stages of sin. Look at what he says here. He says this, verse 13. Let nobody say when we're tempted, I'm being tempted by God. God can't tempt anyone with evil. Then verse 14, each person is tempted when he's lured by his own desire. 15, then desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. See, there's stages of sin, Summit. Sin has a process of growth and development in my life and in your life. Sin doesn't just show up out of nowhere. There's a process to sin. So the first stage of sin is temptation or deception. Your Bible might say deception instead of the word temptation, but here's the thing. They're both the same. Sin, temptation. They all start with a lie. Sin starts with a lie. You go back to the garden, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden and Satan comes to deceive them. And what does, what does Satan say to Adam and Eve? He looks at Adam and Eve and he says, listen, Adam and Eve, eat of this fruit. It'll kill you. That's not what he says. See, that's, I, I, that's not what he says at all. Listen, if he said that, they would have been like, number one, talking snakes are weird. Number two, no. Right? Here's what Satan does. Satan comes to Eve and he says this. Did God actually say you shouldn't eat of that? What if you misunderstood him? What if if God is holding out on you? What if God really just wants you to miss a lot of experiences that, that, that other people are having? What if God is just out to hurt you and he's not as good as you thought? Did God actually tell you that and what he's doing is he's putting a little seed of deception into Adam and Eve's mind. Sin starts with a lie. Man, if you're taking notes, this is, you need to remember this. Temptation is not a sin. It is not a sin to be tempted. You're going to be tempted. You are going to be tempted. Temptation is inevitable. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It is a sin when you give in to that temptation. Hello? Right? You're going to be tempted. The devil is a tempter. He's going to tempt you. This world is going to tempt you. The flesh is going to tempt you. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin, but it becomes a sin when you say yes to it, when you give in to it. And listen, in that moment, man, we can justify all kinds of different things. We can justify all kinds of different things. And when we're at church or when we're around church people, we would say, I would never do that. I can't believe people ever do that. But I am telling you, temptation can bring you down to a moment of weakness where you could do things that you would never believe that are possible for you to do. Right? Hello? Right? Temptation starts with a lie. This will feel good. This will, this will make your life better. Hey, this will improve your situation. Hey, listen, you'll get a promotion if you do this. I mean, yeah, it's unethical, but nobody will know. Nobody will know. And the next stage of, of sin after temptation and deception is desire, James says. That deception, that temptation, it leads to desire. When temptation becomes desire, all of a sudden, I want it. I want it, and I don't care what's going to happen. I don't care what the consequences are. Man, I want it. And so once I want it, I do it, and it becomes sin. And sin, verse 15, when it is fully grown, brings forth, what's the last word? Death. Sin will kill you. Sin 
will kill you. The world won't tell you that. Sin won't tell you that. The devil won't tell you that. But sin always leads to death. It always leads to death. It doesn't matter how small we think it is, big we think it is. It doesn't matter if we think that it doesn't apply to us. Sin always leads to death. Always. I read a story one time about how Eskimo hunters used to hunt wolves. And what they would do is they would take their knife and they they would take their knife and they would cover the blade in the blood of some kind of animal. And then once that first layer of blood dried, then they would just keep applying different layers of blood, blood, more blood, more blood, more blood. And it was so cold, it would just freeze. And there would be several layers of blood on that knife. You couldn't even see the blade anymore. That blade was completely covered with layers of blood from animals. And they would take that knife and they would put it in the ground with the blade up and they would just leave it and walk away because they knew that eventually at some point a wolf would come walking through the woods and the scent of smell that that wolf had, they would smell and all of a sudden they would smell blood. And they, something inside of them would say, I want that. And they go to that knife and what do they do when they get to that knife? What do, you, what do they do? They lick it. They lick it. And when they lick it, you know what they taste? Blood. And that's exactly what they want. And they lick more and they lick more and then they lick faster and faster. And, 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 and their, their desire for that blood is so big that they can't tell the point when they're no longer licking the blood of another animal. They're actually licking their own blood. They've made it their way down to that blade and now they're consuming their own blood and eventually they bleed out and they die and the hunter comes back and there's the wolf and the work was done for them. Sin is just like that. Listen, man, if you are flirting with some kind of sin, if you are flirting with some kind of sin, I love you enough to tell you it will kill you. Amen? Man, it'll kill you. If you are flirting with some kind of sin, sin will kill you. It'll kill, it'll kill you now or it'll kill you later. Can destroy your family. Destroy key relationships. Destroy opportunities. Sin will destroy you. It can kill us now Or unconfessed sin will kill us later. And so what do you do when you are in the middle of temptation? What do you do when you're tempted at school? What do you do when you're alone and no one's around? Literally, if you gave in to that temptation in that moment, no other human being would know except for God. What do you do in that moment? What what do you do when you've been fighting the same temptations for years? You've been fighting the same junk for years, and you always make promises in church that, God, I will never do it again, and every time it comes, every time they call, every time they text, you always eventually give in, and you're sitting there thinking, God, is it ever going to end? What do you do, man, when you are fighting the same things over and over and over? Or, here's the question, what do you do when you've already given in? You just feel like you blew it, And, and you feel like there's no coming back. For, for your family with God, what do you do when you've already blown it? I love that James answers that question. See, James wants us to see, God wants us to see that I'm my biggest problem. And sin, there's stuff in me, man, if it goes unchecked, it'll kill me. It'll destroy my family. It'll destroy my ministry. And so i got to watch my heart. i got to guard my heart, the Bible says. And so how can I guard my heart? How can I 
fight the sin in my life? How can I stand firm in the middle of temptation? I love that James answers that question. And listen to me. James's answer for that question, what do you do when you're tempted? How do you stand when you're tempted? What do you do when you give in to temptation and you actually did go too far? What do you do? Here's James's answer for all of it. Run to God. Run to God. Ah, Man, you can just feel how how serious he is. Look at this, man. Look at verse uh, 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He's begging them. That's why he says, my beloved brothers. I mean, he is on his knees almost for this church saying, guys, don't be deceived. Some of you are deceived and you're thinking this preacher is out of date. Some of you are, are deceived and you're thinking that sin's not that big of a deal. Some of you are deceived and you're in the middle of something right now. You're convinced no one will ever know. And James says, man, you got to wake up. You are deceived by the devil or you or something. It doesn't matter. You are deceived. He says, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. And watch, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so here's what James says. He says, listen, man, when you are in the middle of that temptation or you're being tempted or you already gave into that temptation, you went too far, bro, you need to run to God. Because listen to me, everything that you are thinking that sin is going to give you, you think that sin is going to make you happy, you think that sin is going to bring you joy, you think saying yes to this thing, you think doing this is going to give you purpose, it's going to give you contentment, you think saying yes to that sin is going to improve your life. Listen, that sin, it is only going to kill you. You need to know that every good thing in your life, where did it come from? God. Only good things are with God. Only perfect things are in God. Everything that your heart desires, listen to me, everything that your heart desires and longs for, it is not in you. It is not in the world. It is in Jesus Christ. That's where it is. That's where it is. And so so James says, run to God. Look, every good thing in your life came from God. God's not going to give you anything bad. God's not going to hurt you. Everything your heart is hungry for, God wants you to have it, and you can only have it in him. Man, I love what James is doing here. I love the, I love the Bible. I mean, I'm a preacher. I get paid to, I guess. But I love, I love the Bible. I love what the Bible does. I love that the Bible doesn't reduce Christianity down to stop doing bad stuff and start doing good stuff. Now, that's what a lot of us do. A lot of us think that's what it means to be a Christian. Stop doing bad stuff. Start living right. I hear that all the time. Brother, you need to start living right. That's what Jesus came to do, keep your nose clean. That makes no sense to me. Jesus came to keep my nose clean. That makes no sense. I hear people say that. You stop doing bad stuff and start doing the good stuff. The Bible never talks that way. I love that James doesn't. I love that Jesus doesn't. Jesus never came and said, hey, stop it. That's weird. Stop it, bro. That's messed up. Stop it, bro. That's dirty. Jesus never said that. When Jesus talked, listen to me. Listen to me. Your will is not in the driver's seat of your life. Your heart is. And your heart and my heart, man, it is so hungry. It is hungry for purpose. It is hungry for comfort. It is hungry for joy. Our hearts are hungry for eternity. 
And the reason that our hearts are hungry for things bigger than anyone or anything could give us is because Ecclesiastes says that God wrote eternity on your heart. And your heart is in the driver's seat of your life. So when Jesus came and he talked about himself, here's what Jesus would say about himself. I am the bread of life. And anyone who eats of me will never be hungry again. Do you know why we sin? It's because we're hungry. It's because we're thirsty. And we think that in that, in that thing, in that text message, you're looking at that website or going to that place, we think that in that sin there is life, there is joy, there is peace. Our hearts are hungry for things that only God can give. And we always are empty. We're always unsatisfied. We're always disappointed because only Jesus is the bread of life. Sin is not. And so James says, man, you need to run to God, Summit. You need to run to God. Are you tempted right now? Are you tempted right now? Mark, what do I do? Man, you run to God. You run to God in prayer and say, God, get me out of this. God, turn my heart. Man, are you sitting there in your seat thinking, I don't think sin's that big of a deal. You need to run to God today. If you're sitting there and you're thinking that sin is not that big of a deal and you can't wait till we're done so you can get a, go get a good table at Circle T, bro, you need to wake up today. You need to ask Jesus Christ to move in your heart and wake you up because sin will kill you, right? You need to run to God today. This is why we're always talking about reading the Bible. That's why we're always talking about getting into the word of God, not so that we can check off religious duties and things like that, but so that we can get our hearts in tune with God. I mean, there's been points in my marriage, I've went days without reading the Bible, there's been points in my marriage where Elena's looked at me and said, have you been reading your Bible? You're a little too cranky, right, right? That stuff happens, man. See, you need to turn your heart to the Word of God. That's why we put devotions in the Summit app. That's why we have Right Now Media, and we say every week, it's free, it's free, it's free. Netflix, Bible studies, on your phone, use it. That's why we're constantly giving Bible reading plans out there so that on your own, every day, owning your faith looks like, man, I need to get my heart in tune with God through His Word because if not, my heart is going to go to all kinds of different things, and man, I'm going to do something crazy. That's why you need to join a serve group. That's why you need maybe to become a partner here at this church. I'm going to talk to the camera here. Listen, some of you right now, I'm going to talk to that phone right there. Some of you, you're watching on Facebook and you watch every single week. You're like, this is weird. This is a planned part of the sermon. You watch every single week. Is it, oh, lower? There you go. Some of you are watching this on Facebook every single week. We get, we get thousands of views on Facebook every week. Did you know thousands of views on Facebook every single week? If you can watch this and you're physically able to come, you need to come here because you need people in your life that love you enough to look at you and say, bro, that sin will kill you, okay? All right? But I mean it, I mean it, man, I mean it, I mean it, I mean it. Man, I, I need people in my life like you and you need people in your life like everybody around who say, hey, man, are you okay? Is anybody, in your, is anybody doing that for you? Man, what's going on in your life? Man, what are you struggling with? Man, that's why you need to join a serve group. That might be why you need to become a partner. Maybe you need to just stop coming to this church. Maybe you need to belong here. Say, hey, man, these are my family. These messed up, crazy people at Summit, they're my family. Right? Come on, man, come on. Right? Here's what I know, and we're done. Here's what I know. We're done, man. Here's what I know about your week coming up. I know this week coming for you is sin. I know it is. This week coming for you is sin. And sin will kill you. Now, now maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking this. 
Maybe you're thinking, Mark, is it really that big of a deal, bro? I think you need to lighten up. I don't think that, I, listen, what I'm doing right now, yeah, I mean, it's probably not right. Yeah, I know, the, I know what God says about it, but I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's not gonna kill me. It's not hurting anybody. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, let's pretend you're right. Let's pretend you're right. Let's pretend, if you're, if you're thinking that, if you're thinking that, maybe nobody is, but let's pretend you're thinking that and I'm wrong. I've been wrong the whole time this morning. Let's pretend that you're right, sin has no consequences, it won't kill you, and I'm wrong. Let's pretend, okay? As a preacher, can I ask you a question if you think that? As a preacher, can I ask you a question? If you think, I don't think sin's that big of a deal, you can do what you want, bygones be bygones, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you live. As a preacher, can I ask you a question? My question is simply this. If that's true, that sin doesn't lead to death of some kind of fashion, if that's true, then why is it that almost that on, on a weekly basis, people send me Facebook messages, they stop me at Walmart, or they show up at our church for the first time, and I've never talked to them in their, enti- in their entire life, and people come up to me, total strangers reach out to me, who have done something and they say, Mark, I did this and my life is in shambles, what do I do? Nobody has ever told them sin leads to death. I haven't been talking to them, but something is happening inside of them that feels like they're dying. Why? If sin has no consequence, if it doesn't lead to death, then why does that happen over and over and over? Here's why. Because sin really does lead to death. It really does kill. It really does destroy. And you might be in the middle of something right now. You're saying, Mark, I feel like I'm so trapped. What do I do? Here's the good news. You need to run to God today. You need to run to God today. Man, Jesus took that sin on the cross so that you wouldn't be condemned. He loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. And you not, not only can you run to God today, you can run to God every single day, thousands of times today. Man, you are never gonna wear God out when you're hurting, when you're being tempted. You can run to God, and God will set you free, and God can give you a way out. But my last thing is this. If you're hearing, you've already given in the temptation. And you already went a little too far. Mark, what do I do? Here's what you do. You run to God. The grace of Jesus is greater than our sin. Amen? The love of Jesus is greater than any sin in me. And if you run to God today, all you'll get is mercy, love, and forgiveness. That's all you'll get. You won't get a lecture. You won't get sent to the corner. You'll get forgiveness. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much that your word just speaks truth to us, God. And, it's, and, it's, and, and when we look in the mirror here, God, it's hard. It's hard to look in this mirror, but we gotta look into it and see, Jesus, I am my biggest problem. And there's things in me that go, God, unchecked are gonna take me to places I don't wanna go. Take me to places, God, I'm already there and I don't want to be there. Take me to places, God, I went and I can't shake it. Father, I pray right now in this room that you would remind us grace is greater than all our sin. Grace is greater. The grace of God is greater than all of our sin. And Jesus, no matter who we are or where we are, we can run to you today and every day. 
for grace and mercy. And so, God, I pray that we would. I pray we'd run to you in your word. I pray we'd run to you as a church. God, I pray we would run to you at school, at work, at home, whenever we are tempted, whenever the devil comes knocking, whenever sin shows up, we would run to God. Because, Jesus, you are running after us. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, no one is looking around. Would you just simply raise your hand today if you're sitting there and you're saying, Mark, there is a sin, a temptation in my life. And Mark, I am praying for freedom from this thing. Would you pray for me? Raise your hand right now if that's you. Hands are going up. All kinds of hands over here, right here in the middle section, right here in the middle section. Hands are going up. Dozens and dozens and dozens of hands going up all over. Mark, I want freedom from this thing. I want freedom from this thing. Father, I just pray for freedom right now. I pray for freedom, and then that freedom is found in running to you. And God, maybe, maybe freedom, they, they, they don't taste it today, but God, over the next few days, God, as they just keep running to you and coming to you and seeking and praying, Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would move in these hearts in such a way that, God, we would taste freedom and walk in that freedom. Now, you might be here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus. Today, if you need to be saved, Now's your opportunity because God loves you. If you need to come back to God today, come to God and give him your life for the first time. Jesus loves you. He doesn't want to condemn you. He took the punishment for your sin so that you could get his love and mercy. And right now, all you need to do is come to him. If you want to give your life to Jesus today and be saved, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me for my sin. Save me today. I give my life to you right now for the first time. Help me to love you and to live for you. In your name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open. If you just prayed to give your life to Jesus today, would you raise your hand right now to say, Mark, I just got saved. I just gave my life to Christ, and today I'm surrendering all to him. Just raise your hand if that's you and you need to do that today. Go ahead. Father, I pray that, God, as we leave today, we look in this mirror, we look in this mirror that, Jesus, there's stuff in us that's dark, but sin is greater. And, Jesus, that that the invitation is always open to run to you. You are a God that every perfect gift comes from you. And, Father, we love you. And so, God, today, this week, for our lives, give us hearts that want to run to you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's praise God. Let's give God glory today. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. Um, Man, I would love for you right now, just go ahead and grab your connection cards. Um, We're going to receive our offering. And every week during this time, people fill out their cards. And uh, and dozens of hands went up. Those cards are confidential. And so if if you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, say, Mark, I got this thing in my life. Would you write that down on that card? Nobody sees it but myself and uh, two or three other people in our church. um, We would just love to pray over it, pray for you, and and come alongside of you. So just let us know. Put Put down how we can pray for you. Any decision that you need to make, anything God did in your life today, let us know on that card. Flip that card over. Put it on the back if you want to be baptized. Start to serve, whatever you need to do. You can also sign up for next week's partnership event right there on that card. Our ushers are going to come and get in place right now. We're going to receive our offering. You can make any preparations you need to for that. Dana's going to come and uh, 
She's gonna share a few things with you while we're receiving our offering. But hey, listen, if you're new here, I've never met you, I'd love to meet you really quick at the uh, welcome table out there in the lobby, man. I wanna thank every person that gives. Um, hey, hey, I, I hope that, uh, I hope that we, at this time in our service every week, we've been mentioning our building. And uh, man, we're, we're, we're so close uh, to, to uh, getting in there. And, um, and on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, if you never liked Summit Church Hazard, I wanna tell you this. If you never liked Summit Church Hazard, uh, go there and like it. And uh, we're gonna put up some videos, some pictures. Uh, hopefully we've got some cool, th- I, think we, I think we're gonna have some cool things that our church is gonna wanna see this week at our building. Um, but uh, man, uh, so I, I just wanna thank our church for the generosity that you consistently show there. If you've never given to the building fund, that's impact and everything you give to impact, 100% of that goes to the finalization of that facility. Um, guys, uh, we're gonna pray and receive our offering and Dana's gonna share something uh, with us today. Father, I pray that you would take this offering and use it to transform lives that would go and transform the world. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead, Dana. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Short people problems. Um, I just want to remind you guys again about partnership. If you've never taken that step, next week is a great opportunity to do that. Maybe when you go out places, people ask you where you go to church at, and you say Summit, but you've never taken that actual step to make it official and become a partner with us, please mark it on your card or sign up this week. Um, There's a Facebook event on Summit's Facebook page that you can do, or you can sign up through our app. Um, Another thing that I want to direct your attention to is Summit 101. That is the second Sunday of every month, and that's just a a short time at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's back here in the back around the kids' area. And it's just a time to find out how to get connected, to, uh, to meet Mark, to ask any questions that you might have, to learn kind of about the history of Summit and what we're all about. So I would encourage you to take part in that too. Don't forget students tonight, 5.30, right, for middle school, 6.30 for high school. All you high schoolers, bring a friend. You guys are dismissed. Solid.